Hello and welcome back to the Grace Fields Wife Podcast. I'm your host, Beatrice Vargas, and I am oh so happy to be back here with you guys. Yay! I uh, did not disappear forever. Thank you to everybody who reached out to me in DMs or whatever, like, hey girl, hey, we haven't heard from you. Is everything okay? Praying for your family, just checking on you. Thank you guys. That meant the world to me. If you're new here and you didn't know, I've been awake for about six weeks, a little six-week sabbatical. And I'll be honest, it was not planned. Had it been planned, then I would have let you guys know, or I would have had content laid out in the meantime. So it was not radio silence from me, but here we are. It was not planned. Life happens. It gets in the way. And um, honestly, quite honestly, we had a, a death in the family and there were a couple of other things go on that uh, I definitely uh, did sickness, whatever, just all kinds of things that I definitely did not expect to be away. But here I am. I am back. I humbly ask for your grace and forgiveness. And I am back with you. And I promise that this will be good. I have learned a lot over the past six weeks because it's not like I was sitting around on a beach sipping a pina colada doing nothing. I was definitely in a lot of doing and uh, resting and contemplating and working on this business in one way or another. I was still in touch with a lot of my listeners and students while I was away. And over the past six weeks, I learned six lessons. So six lessons that I learned during my six-week sabbatical. Let's jump right in. Welcome to the Grace Fields Wife Podcast. My name is Beatrice Vargas, and my mission is to improve the quality of marriages by helping us learn to be fueled with grace. Are you sitting in a marriage that feels empty? Are you struggling to reignite the passion and love you once shared with your husband? Are you at a crossroads of leaving and repair, but you're constantly reminded of your promise to God to stay true? Or maybe things haven't even gotten that bad yet. Maybe you don't argue that often, but since you barely connect anymore, you've started to give up hope of ever being happily married again. You might have contemplated or even fantasized about what it would be like to leave. Maybe you're telling yourself that you're just sticking it out for the kids. If this is you, I've been there. My story is your story. I want to help you heal and reignite your marriage while still believing in the promise God gave you. I want you to stay with me, learn from me, internalize the grace, guidance, and interviews so that you can become the grace Field wife. You can learn more and connect with me directly on Instagram at the grace Field wife. Now let's dig in to today's show. All right, all right, all right. So number one, the first lesson that I learned while I was away is that sometimes you need to slow down to speed up. So what does this mean for you? It means that even though I was away for six weeks, I am up and running and woo, we are doing all the things this week. We are jumping right back in. Uh, and it's because sometimes without slowing down, 
you will not be able to keep up the momentum that you have. Now, I know this goes against some of the laws of physics, like once something has a lot of momentum, uh, you know, you want to just keep it going, right? You're going to keep spinning. If you have a wheel, you're going to keep spinning the wheel so that wheel continues to have momentum. But in reality, for us who are humans, we cannot be on this like go, 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 go mode all the time. This might be relevant to you guys as we are winding down the summer. I'm in New York City, so I still have about two weeks left of summer. Most of you guys probably have kids already gone back to school and fall activities are already starting to resume. What this means is if you don't have this time to kind of slow down, rest, and reset, then you won't be able to continue. You'll run out of gas. If you're driving in your car, you got to stop for gas sometimes, refuel, keep going. Um, it's, it's that same kind of idea. I think of it like a bird who is flying. When you watch the birds fly in the air, usually what you're watching is a bird in the air with his wings spread out, and that bird is soaring on the wind. That bird is using the power of the wind really to carry them. And they're not actively flapping their wings the entire time because, oh boy, they, they wouldn't be able to make it, right? They wouldn't be able to make it. They would get too tired if they were actively flapping their wings. So that is the, the kind of slowing down that I'm talking about. Now, again, how does this relate to you and your life and your marriage and your, your family life and, or your spiritual life? Sometimes for me personally, it means that I need to take time to reflect. Some of the things that we don't do is, you know, whether that be journaling or verbal processing, everybody processes different, typically in one of those two ways, either verbally or written. If you have another way that you process, feel free, let me know. Send me a DM. I want to know all about it. But I'm either one of those two, sometimes both, where I got to write things down sometimes. And even maybe before I write it down, I have to verbally speak them out, which really works when you have a podcast, right? <laughs> so I have to kind of verbally speak them and, and process in my brain what's going on. What am I thinking and feeling? How about my actions? What are my actions right now? Where are they taking me in relation to where I want to go? Are the actions I'm taking right now today getting me to the place that I want to go? Meaning, is the way that I'm talking to my husband today in line with the goals that I have for my life and marriage? Is the amount of time that I'm spending with my children in line with how I'm looking to parent? It's really just making sure whether you do it once a week, once a month, I'm in the habit of doing it at least once a month. At the end of every month, I actually will sit down and journal this out and be like, how did I do this month? Based on the goals that I've set for myself, how did I do? What did I accomplish? What was hard? And what do I want to change going forward for next month? And then based on what I was able to do or not do, this has helped me to not feel guilty about, you know, as moms, we feel guilty when we don't get all the things done. This has helped me with that. And I've been able to course correct. So I do that once a month. Every once in a while, I'll stop in my journal 
and I'll do it in the mornings. But I keep in mind that I'm going to be accountable to myself at the end of the month. At the end of the month, I'm going to call myself, you know, and sit down and be like, all right, self, how do we do? Um, and this is the slowing down that I'm talking about. There is a book that I read, two books that I read while I was away by the same author. His name is Roy Vaden. He is a Christian, in case you were wondering. Sometimes it matters, sometimes it doesn't. For me, I always like to know. But anyway, the two books that he wrote, one of them is a New York Times bestseller called Take the Stairs. The other one is Procrastinate on Purpose. Now, these books are for uh, management, life management, you know, entrepreneurship, maybe even more like self-development, things like that. But I found so many great nuggets in this book. And one of the things that he talked about, because he talks a lot about time management, one of the things that he talked about is taking time on things today that will make you time tomorrow. So in his book, Procrastinate on Purpose, he talks about how we can actually multiply time. Now, we know that physically we can't multiply, you know, we can't create more than 24 hours a day, but he talks about things that we can do to actually make more time in our day. He has a viral TED Talk or something like that. And the, the idea is it really makes sense, right? When you first hear, you're like, yeah, right, whatever. But then as you listen to him talk, you're like, wow, that makes so much sense. What does this mean for you guys? So what I mean when I'm talking about this slow down to speed up is taking time, just what he said, right? Taking time on the things today that are going to make more time for you tomorrow, like date nights, right? Sometimes we don't go out on date nights because we don't have the time. And I get it. Sometimes we don't go out on date nights because we don't have a sitter. But I've already given you guys tips about, okay, if you don't have a sitter, there's other things that you can do to spend time together. So it's that this idea of working on your relationship now before it is in desperate, dire straits. Because I've heard from so many of you, and typically those of you who reach out to me are the ones who are desperate and in dire straits. But that means that everybody else out there who's listening, all the other tens of thousands of women out there who have not reached out to me, that means that maybe you're not in dire straits but you don't want to get to the point that you are. So it's taking time to work on your relationship today so that you are not in an emergency situation tomorrow. Spending time with your kids today so that you're not having major issues with your kids tomorrow. People see my kids and, and they're like, oh my gosh, your kids are so awesome. They're so respectful. They're so well-behaved. And they're like, that's, that's so awesome. Like, what do you do? And I think... Not that I'm some super mom because my kids are not perfect and I'm certainly not perfect as a parent. But one of the things that I try to do is really be present with my children. And that's not something that I've always done. And when I look back at the times when I wasn't present with them, that's when I had more trouble with them. Now, they barely give me any trouble. I mean, they're like, they're good. You know, they, they don't give me trouble in school. And why? I spent a lot of time with them. I have a really strong relationship with them. And even when I've gone through some tough things with my daughter, she knows who's she's a teenager, right? So like any parents of teenage kids out there or adult children out there know like how tough the teenage years can be. She knows that she can come to me and I'm going to be there. She can come to me with anything. 
And it has to do with that taking time on those things. And my mistake that I was making before was that I I wasn't understanding how valuable that time was. So understanding how valuable it is, these things that you do that may not have the impact. You might think like, well, I, I got to get to work. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to answer this next email or ship out this next package or whatever it is that you do for me. It's like when I sit behind the podcast mic and I get on here, in my mind, I'm just playing on the internet, right? Like I don't, because it's so different from the work, air quotes, I'm air quoting here, <laughs> of the work work that I used to do, it's, and it doesn't feel like work, I sometimes forget that this is the thing that's important. Sitting down and jumping behind this podcast mic, talking to you guys in one way or another, whether it's in the DMs or my emails or the Facebook group, and really spending that time. So that's what the slow down to speed up, because once you slow down and you do those things, all of a sudden you start to multiply your time. In the book, it talks about taking time to automate things. Set up online banking is a, an example he gives. You know how like once you take time to do those things, now you're freeing up your time later because if you're working on your relationship now, you're not dealing with the hassle and the whatever of having a very troubled marriage later because you really took the time with it in the beginning in those foundations. Same thing with the kids. So that's what this slow down to speed up means. Now here's number two, and this relates to it. So we can slow down to speed up. We can take that rest. We can take that time of reflection, but there is a difference between the rest, the Sabbath. God commands us to take a Sabbath. And that's what I'm talking about with the slow down, right? The spending time with your kids, the spending time in your marriage. It's that Sabbath of us being refilled, saying, okay, God, I need you this morning. So for me, every morning, I'm like, okay, God, I need you this morning before my day starts. And I realize that when I don't do that, my day is like a mess. There is a difference between taking that Sabbath, taking that bit of rest, taking that slow down to be recharged and fully just stopping, stopping all the things that God has called you to do. And I think for me, that was a big mistake that I made over these past six weeks is that it started with a slowing down. It started with a rest. It started with, you know, I, I need to refocus. And then as other things started to happen over the weeks, it was like, you know, like car crash, everything like stop, crash, burn. Now, granted, a lot of that had to do with things that were beyond my control. Like I said, we had a death. We lost someone who was very close to the family, quite tragically, he was 48 years old. He went for a walk and never came back. He had a heart attack while he was out on his walk. And here's his wife doesn't know where her husband is. They just had their morning coffee. All of a sudden, he never comes back. So you could imagine what something like that does to the friends and the family, the people around him. It's so hard. So I, I, I'm giving myself some grace for having stopped. But the, it's the idea of like, we can't control. We can't control 
what is happening around us. We can only control our actions. So before that happened, I was already in a little bit of a, a stop mode that I didn't need to be or mean to be. And I think part of it was fear, right? It was like, you know, as I was sitting there refocusing, thinking about what I wanted to do with this business and where I wanted to take it, um, I just had, I was filled with all these fears of like, well, what if I, my next episode is not good? What if they don't want to hear that? What if it's not the right thing for them? I mean, can you imagine 120 episodes in and I'm still worrying about these fears? And I say that as an encouragement to you guys, because even for somebody who does this all day, every day, I still kind of live with those fears. I mean, those are some of the same fears that almost stopped me from starting this podcast to begin with. And look at everything that I've been able to build, having just pushed past those fears. So number two is rest, but don't stop. And when I say rest, but don't stop, I'm saying give yourself permission to take a Sabbath, but don't allow fear to get in the way. Don't allow fear to rob you of the things that God is trying to bless you with. Don't let fear paralyze you. Like, I felt like I was doing this at one point. I felt God saying, like, who told you to stop? I never told you to stop putting out podcast episodes. And it was just like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, it's like the other thing is when we when we're talking about marriages or we're talking about our children or let's say we're talking about death. It's like this fear stops us and then we let our situation get so dire so bad so emergency that we create a bigger mess to clean up than what was necessary right god is amazing and he will redeem us and be there for us and he will work all things out for the good of those who love him his word promises that but let me tell you God never says, he never says, and if, if any one of you know a place where he does, hit me up and tell me where so I can meditate on that. Because as far as I know, he never says that we're not going to have to deal with the consequences of our actions. He never says that. So even though he might redeem everything, they will still be some consequences. And when we let this fear stop us, when we let fear stop us from loving our husband, from showing him grace, from uh, maybe holding ourselves back from saying the kind and graceful thing because we are afraid of what he's going to do, because we are afraid, because we feel like we need to protect ourselves, because we feel defensive, because we feel like he's coming for us, because all these things, when we let fear stop us from the thing that God is actually calling us to do, there's got to be consequences to deal with. And God never told us to stop. He tells us to rest. But there is a difference between completely stopping. Going back to the example about the car, when you stop for gas, that's a quick stop, right? If you're driving cross country, you go, you need gas, you fill the gas, the car up, and you keep going. You don't sit there for two weeks, or in my case, six weeks, going, okay, now, now I'm like, what if the weather is bad when I get back on the road? You don't do that, right? You don't do that. So uh, number two, rest, but don't stop. Number three, and this kind of, um, I touched on this a little bit with number two, but number three is make time for God. Make time for God. I mean, make time for God. <laughs> 
also in the rest, right? And that's how you got to make time for him. So even if you're not taking a sabbatical, even if you're not taking this rest, you have to be making time for him consistently. <laughs> so I should change that. That number three is make time for God consistently. Punto. Period. Right? One of my favorite quotes from Pastor Craig Rochelle is he says uh, that we have to do something about doing things consistently versus doing things occasionally. He talks about how we see change in the things that we do consistently versus the things that we do occasionally. So for those of you, because a lot of you have reached out to me and asked me this question, and while I was away, I did get this question come up in my DM several times. And people will ask me, how did you know? How did you know that God told you to do this? How did you know God told you to do that? How did you know that God was speaking to you? How did you know that it was God and not your own feelings? And that is such a great question. I have a whole episode about it where I talk about uh, what I learned in the book, Discerning the Voice of God from Priscilla Schreier. And I will link that episode in the show notes. For those of you wondering, it's episode number 100. However, the quick answer to the how did you know is the making time for God consistently. And it's not just making time with him and, you know, sitting in the morning or maybe in the evening and you sit with your Bible and you listen to your word or after you, you read maybe the scripture, then you go in and you say, okay, God, now I'm praying for my family. I'm praying for my husband. I'm praying for you to convict his heart. I'm praying for all the, all the things. That is all good. But usually what happens is it ends there. And so this make time for God means don't let it end there. Make time to be silent with God. And let me tell you, I know this is hard. I am not the sit in silence kind of person. I'm always going, always running, whatever. You may not see that outwardly in my social media, whatever, because I don't post on social media like that. I'm not posting on my Instagram stories every day. It's just not my jam. I don't really care for it. Uh, but I'm always running and it's hard for me to take time and sit in silence. So this making time for God consistently, um, I will also say to be in silence. So make time for God consistently to be in silence. That means after you, you present your request to him, just sit, just sit and listen. And sometimes when I do this, I might sit and listen. I might journal. I just write down what comes to mind. I might play some worship music, depending, because sometimes the worship music will interrupt my silence. Um, so it, it depends, whatever you need. You know, that's what they, when they talk about meditating on the scriptures, I mean, that's what that is. So sometimes we're not hearing from God because we're too busy speaking. Because God really does. He speaks to us through everything. And if we're too busy presenting our requests and calling out to him and crying and, oh, God, help me. Help me with my finances. Help me with my marriage. Help me in this. Help me in that. And we're not able to listen. We're kind of missing it. You know, that's how I know when it's God speaking versus my own thoughts, because you get to be pretty in tune with the thoughts that are like, oh, wait, that's that. That is different from my own stream of thoughts that I was just having. That was very different. That thought that just came. God's word says my sheep will know my voice. So you do really get to listen. And here's the, the last thing before I move on to the next point. 
And Priscilla talks about this in her book too, is that God also has mercy on us, knowing that we're human, we're imperfect, blah, blah, blah. God has mercy for our mistakes. So sometimes, yeah, you might hear, I'm going to say air quotes, hear or think you heard God tell you to do something, but it wasn't actually him. And because of that, if it's something big, like, you know, go move across the country. Well, for those things, those are the kind of things we're going to go seek confirmation for. Because you don't want to, oh, God told me to move across the country, but it actually wasn't him. That was your own thought. So before you make some big decisions, you're going to seek confirmation and, you know, seek wisdom and things like that, which is something else that she talks about in the book. But a lot of times it's just the little, little revelations. The other day I was reading in Exodus and they were talking about when God gave them instructions to build a tabernacle and a tent should be this many feet by this many feet and this much fabric and and have like, it's just very specific, right? It was a very specific blueprint, let's say. And how many times have I read through this and I'm like, oh my gosh, get over with it. Yes, this is how they built the tabernacle. This time I actually listened with intent and I realized as I was listening, all of a sudden God revealed to me, wow, look, God gave them the blueprint, but it was the craftsmen who really put their own um, creativity because God gave the craftsmen the wisdom and he gave them the ability to teach other people how to create these things, but he chose them for a reason. And then they were able to exercise their creativity within the framework of the blueprint that God gave them, which was all of a sudden that is beautiful. All of a sudden, this passage that I used to be like, oh my gosh, all right, let's hurry up and get through this. It's a rush through that passage. Sometimes I would skip it. All of a sudden, I was like, wow, thank you, God. That was so beautiful. Such a beautiful revelation. So just understanding that taking time for God consistently and giving him that silence. That silence is a sacrifice. It's almost like an act of worship. Make sure you're giving that to him. That's number three. Number four, and I, I again, I talked about this a little bit. Number four is even when we make mistakes, we are always moving forward. I talked about that when I mentioned how God has mercy on us. Even if we make mistakes, talking about the fear, that fear that maybe will stop us from the thing that we're supposed to be doing. Should I do this? Should I not? Even if you're taking two steps forward and one step back, guess what? You are still moving forward. So even when you make your mistakes, you're still moving forward. So as long as we're seeking the kingdom of heaven, God is walking with us. He's protecting us and he's course correcting along the way. He's going ahead of you and he is making the way for you. One of the beautiful examples of this is in Exodus when God led the people out of Egypt. He did not take them straight to the promised land. Now we already know that they spent 40 years in the desert because they were complaining and all that good stuff. But but even then, before they even complained, God took them the long way. Before they even complained, God it, it says in the passage that he took them a different way, lest they be tempted to turn around. So it was like, God was like, no, 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 no. I'm going to take you so far away from where you came that you're not going to be tempted to go back. You're, you're not going to have a choice. You're not really going to be able to go back. So he purposely took them into the wilderness. Now, had they not complained, he could have gotten them out much sooner. But that was by design. So sometimes we think we made a mistake. Sometimes we think we did the wrong thing, but it was actually God leading us in a different direction because he knows what's best for us because he's sovereign and he will work out all the things for the good of those who love him. So even when we're making mistakes, we're always moving forward. So I hope this kind of 
thinking is making sense for you, right? We can slow down to speed up. We're going to rest, but we're not going to stop. We're going to take time consistently for God to sit in silence and that understands instead of living in fear of the thing that we're supposed to do, instead of living in that fear, we are going to understand that even if we're making mistakes, we are still moving forward and it is okay. Number five, I learned you need community. Now I Kind of knew I needed community before. It was one of those things, you know, when you you know something, but not yet. Oh, no. I knew I needed community before. Community is something that I've been praying for for the past year and a half. So if you're ever like, oh, man, what can I pray for you for? Please pray for community. That is why it is something that I'm trying to build. But I think part of the issue that I was having is, in my mind, community had to look a specific way. And that's what I was looking for. But I am understanding that community doesn't have to mean people who look and sound like you. Now, the reason why I was looking for a community that looked a specific way is because as a woman of color, I'm usually on the outskirts. I'm usually the odd man out. I'm like usually the person who's different. I am a very extroverted, um, expressive personality. I talk with my hands. I'm like, blah, blah, blah. you know, so when we get in a room, I'm usually like, well, okay, hi, there she is. And kind of some people are taken aback when they meet me or when they see me. And sometimes it feels lonely. It feels lonely to be like that. And I think that's why I enjoy being with my family because my entire family is the same way. And we can have a great time and be crazy together. But I was looking for, you know, in my mind, like-minded people. But what I was actually looking for, I realized, is people who were like me. But then I realized that what makes me unique is also what makes me radiate. So the thing that makes you unique, that is the thing that makes you special. Like, that is how God made you. So your radiance comes from what makes you unique. And it was so weird, crazy story. A couple of months ago, I did a photo shoot with a bunch of entrepreneurs. And um, it was a great photo shoot. I paid a lot of money for it. I was so excited to do this photo shoot. And I was so, so excited to use the pictures and all that. And I was helping her style some of the other participants and I was watching them come back. And I was like, yes, these are so gorgeous. I was so excited to see what they were going to look like. And fast forward a week later or so, I get my pictures back and I cried. And uh, when she edited the pictures, she used a filter on all of them so they could look uniform and the filter that she used worked for everybody else because of their skin tone and worked for them, it made them look beautiful and radiant. And it was just absolutely gorgeous. But for me, it took away what made me unique in that group. So it might not make me unique maybe when I'm <laughs> it with my family or with some of my friends, but my skin tone, which if you haven't seen pictures of me or whatever, my skin tone is like a golden honey color. And depending on the type of year, it depends on like how burnt the toast is, you know. And it's like, I'm proud of it. And I love that about me. And in this group, it is what made me unique. And it was a thing that meant you could have just slapped the same filter on my face that you put on everybody else. It wasn't going to do me any justice. It took away from my 
radiance. And I think that's why I was upset because I was just like, oh, but I but I love my skin tone and this is not what I look like. And I'm not crazy. I sent it to my a couple of friends who are photographers and I was like, am I crazy? And they were like, no, girl, it's the filter. Don't worry. Now, fast forward, she fixed them. I sent her an example of another headshot that I had done where they accurately captured my skin tone. And she was like, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. And she fixed them. It was fine. But it was the idea that could be stripped. Like the thing that made me unique in that group was stripped and then took away what that radiance is. So what is it for you? And understand that there is something that's going to make you unique in any place that you go. Whether that is your church, your family, your workplace, and your other relationships, or with your husband, with your kids, between your kids, between your husband and yourself, there is something that makes mommy different from daddy. And that is what your kids love about you. At work, there is something that makes you different than everybody else. And that is what they love about you. At church, there's something different. And that different might be the same thing in a lot of different places, but it might also change, right? So like with my family, when I talked about the example of like, I'm this crazy expressive person, but then the rest of my family is also crazy expressive people. That is not the thing that makes me unique with them. That's not what makes me shine in that group. The thing that makes me unique with them is I'm kind of the one that holds it all together and the one who's pulling everybody together and kind of the glue, right? Which you don't necessarily need that personality trait in every situation. With some of my friend groups, I'm not that person. There's somebody else who handles that. It's just understanding what our roles are in different communities that we're involved in and knowing what makes you unique within those communities and understanding that that is what makes you radiate. Because we need community. Like you can't, it doesn't gel together without this beautiful uniqueness that you bring. You know, your family is not the same without the beautiful uniqueness of yourself and your husband. Your, your husband loves you because you are you, not because of your dress size or whatever. Like it, it, there's so much about you that made him fall in love with you and vice versa. There is so much stuff about him that made you fall in love with him, not every other guy out there. And I, I look around and I, I look at my husband, and I'm like, man, I remember every single day, every time he pisses me off, because let me tell you, he does that a lot. But I remember all the time, wow, this is why I fell in love with him. So just understanding, not only do we need community, but understanding the uniqueness that you have, that he has, that your children have, and, and how we can use that within our community. Lastly, I saw something on Google Doodle. You know, if you ever go to Google, sometimes it just says Google, and then sometimes there's like an illustration. Well, the other day, the Google Doodle was an illustration of a woman, and she was hugging somebody. And I was like, oh, wow, it spoke to me. I thought it was profound. So I clicked on it, and it said, self-care is not doing it alone. So understanding that we need community because we were not meant to do it alone, right? God's word says a cord of three strands is not easily broken. We were not meant to do it alone. So you need community. So we got to find it and just understanding that it doesn't have to be a community of people who look and sound like you. Although it's nice to have some of that, it doesn't have to have that completely. And lastly, 
Number six, the last lesson I learned during my six week sabbatical is the difference between surrender and control. Now, right off the bat, you guys might be like, hi, those are two practically um, opposite words. What do you mean? <laughs> like, duh. Don't you know the difference between surrender and control? Well, let me break it to you this way. I'm sure you have all heard this at one time or another, which is, Lord, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And that's what it is. It's about the wisdom to know the difference between what I can change and what I can't. This surrender versus control, doing what you can and surrendering the rest. I have to credit this to a wonderful, just a lovely friend that I made over the past couple of weeks. And we have had several conversations now and she sent me this beautiful message and prayer where like, I mean, she honestly, girl, you should write, I know you're listening, so you should write a Bible study on this. I know you had talked about that, but it was just this beautiful understanding. And she related it to a passage in the Bible uh, of David and how he went into battle more than once. And both times that he went into battle, it was the same enemy, same place, um, just a different time. And on each time, God gave him different instructions. So it was just understanding when it is time to surrender and let God handle it, or when it is time to pick up that sword and go and fight and do the things that you can to change it. And just knowing that Everything I do in life is it just this idea of like, wait a minute, is this something that I need to be taking action on? Or is this something that I need to be resting and say, God, you handle it? You know, going to God, not just going to yourself, but going to God and saying, okay, God, what do you want me to do in this situation? Do you want me to take action or do you want to handle it? Are you going to fight this battle for me, God? Or are you telling me go and fight it? I will be with you because there's a difference. Sometimes God will just go out and fight the battle for you and you stay silent. And then other times it is time for you to speak up. We talk about this all the time when I'm like, my girls will not be doormats, but there is a time where God calls us to just stay silent because he's going to fight that battle. And understanding where's the difference there is really so key. Uh, here's another quote uh, from my friend. I'm going to call him my friend. I've never met him. I, I wish I could one day, but from my friend Rory Baden from Take the Stairs. And I listened to this thing like four times. I had to go back and listen and write this down. And I wanted to share it with you because it was very profound to me. He says, when you do right, you feel right. And when you feel right, you think clearly. When you do wrong, you feel wrong. And when you do wrong, you think cloudy. So if you're ever wondering, is this a place where I should be surrendering or taking action, taking control, and you feel cloudy, then stop. Then maybe that means you're doing the wrong thing. And I say this because a lot of you have asked me, you've said, well, surrender is hard. I've had this conversation about surrender a lot of times. And it's like, clients are like, but it's so hard to surrender. How do I know? What do I do? How, you know, going back to them saying, well, how did you know God, what God was telling you to do? And to that, I love this, this quote. It's like, when you do right, you feel right. You ever notice that when you're walking in the thing that God's supposed to be doing, when you're walking in the thing that you just know that you know that you know is right, you feel clear. You don't feel cloudy. You just, you're going and you're doing your thing. And when you're wrong, you're like, oh, what am I doing? I'm not sure. Typically, that means that you should be doing something else. So I hope my six 
lessons from my six weeks away was worth the wait. Next week, we will return with our regularly scheduled programming. But before then, I just want you to know, I'm actually looking for 10 wives. 10 wives who want to stop fighting with their husbands without feeling guilty for expressing their needs. Mm, girl, let me know if this sounds like you. Please DM me or email me. Stop fighting. Air quotes. Stop fighting. So I know that you want to chat and see if this will work for you. Because as I mentioned before, if we don't want to be in a dire, desperate situation with our husband, we need to stop fighting now. But we don't want to be doormats. So we also are like, we feel guilty about expressing our needs. But we need to be able to do that as well. So if you are interested to stop fighting with your husband without feeling guilty for expressing your needs, send me a DM or an email and we're going to have a little chat. Take care and until next week. Hey, love. Thank you for listening to today's show. If you found any value in today's episode, it would mean the world to me if you left a five-star review and shared it with a friend or someone else who needed to hear this today. This is really the best way you can thank me. It helps me to get the word out to other women just like you. See you next week.